Hey everybody, it's John. All week I've been really uh, conflicted about the idea of putting something out there about David Bowie's death. Um, it feels a little self-indulgent, but, um, and, and I don't know who listens to this podcast. I don't know how many subscribers I have. I don't know how many people listen with regularity. Um, I do know that I've never really considered any of these interviews about me or about, I don't like, for instance, if you listen to WTF, you listen cause you like Mark Marin or fresh air. You listen cause you like Terry gross. I don't think anyone listens to the, and, and the guest is like an added bonus. I don't think anyone listens to the hustle because they like me. I think they listen because they're interested in the people that we have on. So putting something out there in the world that is me talking about what David Bowie meant to me feels kind of selfish. But if I, if I, if I'm not going to do something like that for the figure that means most to me in my life, who else in this world would I do it for? Um, David Bowie has had more of an impact on my life than any public figure who's been alive during my lifetime. Um, and probably more than anyone who isn't a family or friend, anyone who I don't know personally. I, uh, I told this story in a recent episode with Dig Wayne, but, uh, Let's Dance was coming out when I was about nine, 10 years old. And so obviously I had no idea that David Bowie had already done most of the really revolutionary stuff years before that and changed the world. I didn't know anything about any of that. All I knew was that he was this guy with the blonde hair and the yellow suit, uh, doing let's dance. And I love that song. And there was a moment when I was on an airplane with my family and I was listening to the music that was playing on the channel. You remember back in the back in the day, you'd have those big chunky plastic headphones and you'd plug them into your seat. And the, there were different like radio stations on the plane and you would pick one and they would play the same like 20 songs. Let's Dance was one of those songs. And um, for whatever reason, listening to it on headphones on that flight was a little different. So there's the moment in there, he sings it a couple times, tremble like a flower. But there's a time, the second time, where he his voice breaks when he sings flower. Flower! And that absolutely blew my mind because I was so confused. How does someone get away with doing that? I was not used to hearing anything that wasn't on pop top 40 radio which is all great, but it's all very perfect. And this was something that was different. And it forced me at nine, 10 years old, it made a crack in my brain. It made a crack in my understanding of how the world works. And I don't mean to sound like overzealous or over embellish this moment, but it did. And it's in retrospect be, that I can say that clearly because um, I he was the first person uh, of any stature that I became obsessed with. And you think about in your life, the artists you've been really into, the your favorite athlete, your favorite philosopher, maybe even God, honestly, um, an actor who's every movie you see, um, David Bowie was my first favorite thing. And he remained my favorite thing 
my entire life up to this day. And that is a, that's a big deal because in that moment, which was just a throwaway thing, he was still being provocative and alternative, but more than anything. And what I've realized this week, as I look back, the thing that was most, it was also titillating. It was also exciting. Why is this guy doing this? Why is this guy getting away with this? What gives him the cojones to do that? That became a puzzle that I have spent my entire life fascinated by. If you think about the amount of time you spend in your life thinking about things, maybe it's your own existence, maybe it's the existence of God, the purpose of life, um, whether your favorite team is going to win the pennant that year, how much you crave your favorite food. I mean, the, the, the brain space that's taken up with the things that matters most to us, David Bowie was that thing. And it was because he was a puzzle that I knew I would never be able to solve, but that was endlessly fascinating. Uh, there have been books written about David Bowie, and I've actually never read any of them. I read like every magazine article I can ever find and all that. And I watch interviews on YouTube and stuff like that. But I've always had this belief or this sense that there is no real story or that if there is a real story, he would be the only one that would tell it. And he probably never would tell it. Um, I don't believe this puzzle ever becomes solved. I don't honestly know if I want the puzzle to be solved. Um, it's given, he has been an artist that I could chew on for, you know, 33 years of my life or whatever. I love him so much for that. Uh, shortly after I became obsessed with him, my mom at the time, again, we grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. My mom was the main office manager of the Cottonwood Mall. And so I spent days, weeks, months, years of my life hanging out in this mall. That's what we did. And I remember at the time, uh, you would buy, you could buy really cheap cassettes at places like Walgreens in the mall. And they would be, I think like four bucks, five bucks. And I bought so many David Bowie albums, early ones. Now, so after Let's Dance happens, people who know better, older siblings, or I don't have any older siblings, older cousins, older friends, whatever, are like, oh, that's, David Bowie is this androgynous redheaded guy over here. You didn't know that? You should check that out. That's when my mind is getting blown completely. And so I would buy, I bought Ziggy Stardust. I bought pinups. I bought Lodger. I bought Golden Years. I bought Hunky Dory all for like five bucks at the mall when I was a kid growing up. And, and I didn't even understand all of them. I still, I understand them better now as a grown up, but as a kid, they were all just interesting to me, fascinating to me. Again, going back, it's this riddle that I want to solve. Who does this and how does he get away with doing it? Um, I have every Bowie album. I, um, my very favorite Bowie album is Scary Monsters. That's the one that I think is the most complete. My very favorite song is Heroes. That last time I did my own little personal favorite songs of all time list, Heroes was number three. I find it interesting what music, though, that I'm going back to this week. 
uh, to sort of comfort myself. Those first couple of days were really rough. Um, but I wanted to listen to him. I wanted to experience him and absorb him. But I, the song or the album or whatever couldn't be too peppy. And it couldn't be too sad or on the nose. It needed to be something different. And for whatever reason, this week, I've listened to the song Station to Station over and over and over again. That's the song that fits my mood for some strange reason. Um, it's 10 minutes long. It starts out as kind of a slow dirge. And then it suddenly shape shifts into this really more upbeat uh, uh rambunctious, celebratory, almost sonic experience. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the fact that in 10 minutes I'm on a journey of sort of, you know, sadness to euphoria. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that he's sort of repeating this chant in the second half. It's too late. And now it really is too late, right? Because he's gone. Um, I don't know what it is, but I say that because I want to connect with anyone out there who's listening who loves David Bowie as well, and I want to find out what you're listening to. It's been really interesting to me to see what people on Facebook are doing. They're going and they're, you know, the song, in this moment, what song is it that they're going to for comfort, or what album is it they're going to for comfort? Mine is Station to Station. I'm curious what yours is. Let me know on Facebook or send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Uh, I want to I want to communicate and commiserate with people who love Bowie as much as I do. I have not heard the new album yet. I was purposely waiting. I own hard copies, CDs of all all the Bowie albums, and I hadn't bought that one yet because I was going to wait and buy it when I knew that I could carve out some enough time to really absorb it. Now this was Friday when it was his birthday and the album came out. And if I had bought it that day and listened to it that day, I would have had a very different experience than I will have now, or I would have had two days later. Um, I don't know if I'm mentally ready to go there. I guess I'm feeling better now. I can talk and think about these things without getting kind of choked up. So it is probably time to go buy Black Star and absorb it and uh, take it all in. I got to do that. Um, I want it to be a meaningful experience. I'm curious what anyone else's experience with that album is. Anyway, again, I feel so strange. This feels so self-indulgent. I don't know who would care what I think or would listen to me talk about this so much. And I, we all love our musical heroes and we talk about them a lot and your music changed my life and all that kind of stuff. I want to be clear that it wasn't because I did feel like an outcast growing up. Everyone does, but it wasn't that David Bowie was the voice of that. It wasn't that he gave voice to my feeling like an outcast. That's not it. Um, granted in Salt Lake City, Utah in the eighties, I was the only person I knew who even knew who David Bowie was, let alone cared about him as deeply as I did. He's always been my thing, my, um, you know, charge, my, the thing that meant matters meant most to me more than anyone else. I knew I've always been sort of singular in that, in that fascination, but that's okay. The, come to find out, especially when he dies, most of the world cared about David Bowie. Uh, if you didn't musically, chances are pretty good. Stephen Hyden said this, great writer. Chances are pretty good your favorite band cared deeply about David Bowie. Anyway, this feels strange, but I couldn't let the moment pass, I didn't think, to get my thoughts and feelings out there. It is not in any way, shape, or form an exaggeration to say that I am who I am today 
because of David Bowie. And that is because my fascination with David Bowie cracked open my brain the way that I thought my thought processes at such a young age that that crack began to widen and continue to widen throughout the rest of my life. And he was ground zero. But because I loved him so much and was so fascinated by him, it wasn't a singular moment. It was this fascination that has carried on. He's a companion that I've had with me. That fascination is a companion that I've had with me my entire life. And it's gone now. And like most people have already said, it's hard to imagine a world without David Bowie in it. Um, but man, am I grateful that he was here and that he changed my life. Um, anyway, I guess that's all I had to say. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, and thanks for listening. I hope this was profound. It doesn't feel very profound, but it also feels like everyone's already said all the profound stuff. So I guess this is just for me, and that's to say that I loved him and he changed my life. So I guess that's it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, join us next week. We'll be back.